Um, now we will read in English. So uh, the reading is from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, verses from 1 to 13, and it can be found on the pages, uh, page 287 in the Red Bibles. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as a king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to the Jesse from Bethlehem. I uh, have chosen one of his sons to be to be king. But Samuel said, how, how can I go? If Samuel hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have to come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to, to the sacrifice and I will show you uh, what to do. Uh, you are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to sacrifice with me. When, they, uh, that when he consecrated Jesse and his sons and arrived, uh, and invited them to sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw uh, Eliab and thought, surely the Lord anointed um, stands here before the, before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab, um, Abinadab and made him pass in the front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen um, this one either, Jesse. Uh, Jesse then made Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven uh, of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, um, Are uh, these all of, your son, uh, all of your sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and uh, had him brought in. He was glowing with the health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord says, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took a horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from the day of the spirit, and from that day um, on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel went, uh, then went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you take a seat, folks? Nice to see you. And uh, can I say, our, uh, it's nice to have uh, some of our pathfinders are here as well. They are um, staying in for this bit. They're going to leave uh, at the end uh, of this, uh, my talk and, and when the prayers are, so it's 
Hopefully not a protest on their part if they see them leave then. Um, we are at the end of this series and that we, we called, we titled it Saul, uh, the leader uh, they wanted, not the leader they needed. Um, and we're at the end of that, as uh, has been said earlier on. Um, and today, I think that the, the final passage that we have just helps us land uh, that sense of where we've been um, through these past weeks. If you, if you happen to have been with us, uh, I, they can bring home some of what we've been thinking about. And I, I guess I want to answer for us, or hope, help us answer, what should we take from this section of, of looking at Saul's life? What message should we take home from this particular series? And there's a word which runs all the way through the story that we have um, here, that we've just heard read um, uh, in both English and Ukrainian. That was great to have. Um, as we, um, uh, there's a word in the, in the middle there that is really important and I think can help us understand it. And it's the word sight, the word for sight or seeing or looking. Um, uh, the word for, uh, uh, for perception, in a sense, the, the word for understanding, judgment, perception, that kind of idea. It's run, it runs all the way through this little episode um, with David, with Samuel. Um, and I think it can help us land this sense of what have we been thinking about for these past few weeks. There was a leader that they wanted, they thought, but there was a different kind of leader that they needed. And perception and sight is at the heart of it. So we'll think about two different things. We'll think about how things look to Samuel at this point, and we'll think about how things look to God and some of the differences there, um, and we'll reflect on those. So let me just read the first few um, uh, verses again. So the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I've rejected him as king over Israel? What we saw last week. Fill your horn uh, uh, be, uh, with oil. Be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. And Samuel says, Well, how can I go? How can I go there? Saul, if he hears about it, he will kill me. How can I do that? And so uh, the Lord says, well, uh, take a heifer with you, go and say, I've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse uh, to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you're to do. And then you'll anoint the one I indicate. And so Samuel does that and he arrives at Bethlehem. And when he arrives there, the the elders of of the town, they tremble when he arrives. Um, And they say, have you come in peace? How long are you going to mourn, says God? Um, how long are you going to mourn, Saul? How? And, and Samuel replies, well, how can I go? How, how, you know, how, can, I, how can I not? Um, how can I go there? How can I do this? Saul's going to kill me if he finds out. And I wonder if you can just put yourself in Samuel's shoes for a moment. How things look to Samuel at this point. Um, Samuel was the judge of Israel at the time. Given this task, the project, the enterprise, was to preside over appointing a king for the people. And he has lived through and overseen a complete disaster of a project, hasn't he? Put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Your job is to find this king, uh, to appoint him. Uh, He's created Saul. Saul is now something like a cornered animal. After we saw last week, uh, he got into real trouble uh, with with what he did. He's now in this situation, he's, he's something of a liability. Can you imagine the instability in the land now? You've, you're, you're Samuel, you've created this king who has now gone a kind of rogue. What do you do at this point? You, might, you see why he's, and, and so he, as he arrives in Bethlehem, the people there, they tremble. Can you see why that might be? You've now created two power bases in the kingdom. Saul and the kingship, but then there's Samuel and his sort of legacy where do people side? 
What do they make of Saul? Are there now, is there a potential civil war brewing here? Samuel comes, are you going to bring down the wrath of this, uh, uh, you know, don't come near us, we, we, don't, we don't want to incur Saul's wrath on us. If he hears that you're here, maybe he'll come and wipe us out. See the instability there is now. And how things look from Samuel's perspective at this point. And this is Samuel's story too, it's, the book is called One Samuel, sometimes we forget him, but here's his story as well. And just think, what, what is the story through his eyes, through his perception? of what is going on. Samuel um, sees things a little bit like uh, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I don't know if you know the character of Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. He's quite a famous character. He's, he's known for having this sort of melancholy spirit. Things don't always look great to Eeyore, so he would kind of arrive and say, good morning to you, if indeed it is a good morning, which I very much doubt. You know, he's, a sort of, he's that sort of melancholy spirit. Things don't look good. Uh, this is probably going to go badly. This is a bit of a disaster. Um, I don't know if there's any Eeyores here. Uh, some of you might be Eeyore. Some of, you, some of you might know you might have that sort of Eeyore kind of temperament, spirit. It's not a criticism of you, by the way. It's just, it's, it, this is kind of reflection here. He's actually spent, he spent quite a time in, in one Sam. He's not, he's not the happiest character. And here you can understand, can't you? You've actually, you, you've precise, if you were writing your memoirs as Samuel, what do you write back on? Well, I was meant to then sort of hand over the kingdom and set it up for the future. And what an unmitigated disaster that has been. There is now only division and, and instability and uncertainty. That sort of, this has all gone wrong. And maybe that sort of Eeyore spirits, I'm, I'm actually no, no good at this. I failed in this. And if you're somebody with an, with an Eeyore kind of spirit, you might, that might be the voice, the voice of Eeyore in your ear that's sort of, when you get up in the morning, you're not really very good at this, are you? You're something of a failure. It has been a bit of a failure. And there can be that kind of voice. And I wonder what the story that our eyes tell us about the situation around us and the things, the circumstances that we are in and that we face. And whether it might be the sort of, well, how on earth can I do that? It's just going to go wrong. How things look to Samuel. How things look to Samuel, how things look to God, however, is slightly different. God has a different story and a different perspective, sight of this. So when he says, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, he says, I've chosen one of his sons to be king. It's actually, it says, I have seen one of his sons who is going to be king for me. I, with my eyes, my perception, my understanding, my judgment, I have seen a son of his who is going to be a king for me. Um, and he gives Samuel this uh, kind of, Samuel's saying, I can't, I can't do this, I can't go. He says, well, okay, here's, here's your story, cover story. Go and you're going to make a sacrifice there. It's kind of, that would be normal for you. Um, go and make a sacrifice, and it's going to be a bit of a, a, an event, a meal. Um, so there'll be a sacrifice. You can invite Jesse and the family, and, the, and so there'll be arrangements to be made. And you can have a, a sort of sit-down meal. Um, so you can go with that. Um, so he does, and he, he goes, and he says, yes, I come in peace, verse 5. We pick it, pick it up there, um, and he invites Jesse along. Verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel saw um, uh, Eliab, uh, Eliab, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before me um, here. Surely the Lord's anointed, this is the one. Um, and God says to him, however... Don't consider his appearance. Don't look at him. Now, I don't know quite what's going on with Samuel, because in some ways you kind of think, well, Samuel, we've been here before. 
when he first found Saul, Saul was this kind of strapping, tall, head and shoulders above others, looked the part, um, and, and you know, that hadn't gone very well. And now immediately, <laughs> Eliab comes, comes along and he kind of sees him there and thinks, excellent, this must be the one. You know, I think, well, how, how much have we learned uh, up to this point? But, verse 7, which is kind of quite, is key to this passage, and many people think it's key to the whole book. Um, he says, don't look, uh, when he says don't consider his appearance, don't look on his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. He doesn't look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Look, 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 eyes, sight, see, see, see. Don't look at what's on the outside. That's not, says God, how I look. Now, it's not saying that God doesn't like good-looking people, okay? So if you're good-looking here this morning, you're all right, and you're all good-looking, it's fine. Um, uh, God, God isn't saying that he doesn't like you if you're, if you're um, good-looking. Um, actually, we'll see a bit later on. David was very handsome, sort of ruddy-faced, healthy-looking, uh, uh, so a decent lad himself. So it's not that, but what he's saying here is, People see what's on the outside, but God looks into, sees into the hearts. God sees in a different uh, way. Um, uh, we might, you might kind of make that contrast. We, we are always kind of making judgments, aren't we, on the outside by what we can see. And that's not always the right assessment of things. God isn't looking for necessarily impressive people outwardly. He is looking at what is internal. He sees into the human hearts. Uh, and so we have this, uh, uh, this kind of um, uh, unfolding uh, drama as then it's not Eliab, okay, so not him. And then Jesse calls Abinadab and makes him pass in front of Samuel. And Samuel says, no, the Lord hasn't chosen him either. And then comes um, Shammar and uh, Shammar comes by and, and it's not him either. And uh, Jesse makes seven sons pass by and no, it's not them. It's, you know, imagine the beauty parade that happens as these fine strapping lads go by, but no, 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 no. Um, and then, of course, there is David. Now, David, then, is the original Cinderella. He is the original Cinderella. Long before Cinderella came along, David is the original Cinderella. I kid you not. Um, David is Cinderella. Why, why do I say that? Well, this event, I said it's a, it's a, it's a sacrifice, but it's a party, it's a meal. They, were, they would have sacrificed, they would have eaten plenty of uh, what was um, uh, killed and, and, uh, and burned. So they would have eaten that, and they're going to have a meal together. But David wasn't allowed to go to the party. He was out in the fields. Oh, see? He was the youngest, he was the least. He's with the sheep. He's the original Cinderella. You know the Cinderella story? There were sisters, but Cinderella was the one sister in... She was out the back cleaning. No one liked her or cared about her. They sort of didn't have much time for her. She was doing the lowly things and was overlooked. Until, of course, somebody in the story began to see what she was really like. Uh, first, obviously, a fairy godmother who saw her, and then later the prince who sees what she's actually like. So long before you get David, you get the original... Uh, sorry, long before you get Cinderella, you get the original one, which is David. So uh, we're told that, 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 that there's this other son, and they say, well, okay, send for him. Uh, and so they bring him in, and uh, in fact, what, what Samuel says is, okay, he's out in the fields, send for him, and we're not going to sit down, he says, until he arrives. 
Now, I said it was a meal. So what he's basically saying is, no one's going to get fed until we get David in. So we can all sit and wait here until you go and get him. So somebody legs it, goes to the fields, gets him in, brings him down, and then they can eat. Brings him in, uh, says, um, uh, there he was, glowing with health, had fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. And no one on the outside could see what God could see. God could see in David a kind of inner beauty that others couldn't see. God could see into his heart in ways that others couldn't. Even though he was the least and the lowly and the the least likely, actually he was the one whom God had chosen. Now, I think this can be a little bit confusing. So just to be very clear, I don't think God is, in his perception, he was saying that he, what he sees in David is a sinless heart. Uh, because, to be honest, David in his life will do great things, but he will do a couple of terrible things in the course of his life. As you know, he will have a man murdered and take another man's wife. So that would be blatantly untrue, wouldn't it, to say that David had a sinless heart. But it does seem that God sees in him a submissive heart and something that wasn't there before in what we've seen in Saul. A submissive heart, not a sinless heart. Uh, As we thought last week, actually, it was that resistance to God, uh, that deflecting and minimizing and and wanting to swerve and evade that was part of Saul's undoing and showed it to be. Whereas in David, God sees someone whose heart will be open to him, who will want to turn to him, who will want to come to him, even in the worst of his failures. And he is in outline, if we kind of imagine you could, David is such an important figure in the Bible's history and kind of casts a shadow, a long, good shadow in many ways, but he is the outline, the the foreshadow, the prototype, the, uh, the outline for us, the sketch of who Jesus will be. The one who didn't look like the greatest or the most impressive, who was the least and the lowly, but actually had the most submissive heart to the Lord, who was himself indeed sinless, but at every turn said, yet not my will but yours, Lord, who came to, to be the one that who, who uh, the, the leader that we needed to be, uh, him to be. So there is, can you see this difference between the way in which God sees things and the way in which Samuel sees things and this perception of the two? But I wonder then, just as we we kind of land where we are, what what are we to take from this? What does this mean for us? And I think it's just worth uh, reflecting on what is brought out with this contrast and the way in which God sees in ways we can't. It may well underpins so much of where we've been through the Saul story. God sees in ways we can't. They wanted a leader that was strong and powerful and like the other nations had, but God could see that wasn't going to work. They needed something different. And that tension, if you like, is what underlies this. And so it, it's worth just saying, because we can get to this point and we might think this, this sort of series is saying, okay, there's kind of good and bad, and and here we are, we've landed, and of course Saul was bad, and David is good. And of course there is some truth to that in the outworking of of what happens in in the the two kingships, there's there's, there's some truth in that. But the point I think is being brought out for us is not so much that Saul was bad and David was good, but that human sight is flawed 
and limited. And it's God's sight, God's perception, God's understanding is what we need. And the tension lies there. What we think we can see with our eyes and what we think we can evaluate and what we think we need is different to actually God's perspective on things. And human sight here, so that there are, there's not just Saul, but actually if you think Samuel's sight, Samuel's perception of things, he's got stuff wrong along the way. Actually, much of that sort of failed project, um, the people, the people wanting that kind of leader, that kind of king that was like the other nations had, a strong and a powerful one, their sight is flawed. And we've seen that at various points. Now, don't hear me wrong. It's not saying that there's no human wisdom, that you can't learn things, that you can't understand and grow and mature. That's not what it's saying. But it's saying there is a, a kind of category difference. And at a very deep level, Samuel, the judge of all Israel, would now be able to say, do you know, do you know now I can see that God sees things better than I do. Now, that's quite a thing for a judge to say, isn't it? That God sees things better than I do. When your job was to a to assess, to see, and to judge. And I think it brings good news and bad news for us, if you like. I think there's some good news here. I think it's really, in many ways, it's very encouraging. Do you know, it's very good news for Eeyores and Cinderella's. Do you know that's, that God sees in different ways to us? It's very good news for Eeyores, if you are an Eeyore here. If all things, if everything just seems lost to you, if your sense is that this is all, it has got my, the circumstances you're in, everything has gone wrong. Actually, my, there is no hope and I, I'm something of a failure. That is not the perspective that God sees on what is happening. And I'm not trying to minimise what you may be facing at the moment or to say, oh, that's suddenly going to make it all easier. But if you could see things in the way that God sees them, I suspect you might feel slightly differently about it. God sees the perspective, he sees things in ways that we can't. It's good news for Eeyores, it's good news for Cinderella's. If you're a Cinderella here, uh, if you're the somebody who thinks, well, I, I'm just, I'm out the back, no one really sees me, no one cares, I'm the least and the lowly and the, and the least likely. Actually, there is a, there's a pattern, there is something that is very true here that God sees in you and sees you very differently perhaps to how you see yourself. He sees you as his son or daughter made in his image. He sees you, you imagine he might say, well, I see in you an inner beauty that if you could only see one day where I am taking you, where if you follow me, we'll go into eternity and a new creation and you will marvel at what I have planned for you. But God doesn't see you in the way that you might see yourself. It's good news for Eeyores, it's good news for Cinderella's, but it is very challenging news for us. It is very challenging news for all of us because at the end of the day and as we thought through this series and even as you see it here now, it is ultimately saying God knows better than you. God knows better than you. And that's not an easy thing to take in in our world where my truth trumps everything else, where my opinion matters more, my, my version of events, my understanding of reality is more important than anyone else's. It's not easy to be told. God knows better than you. But it's what has come through here. And actually being a Christian, you could put it this way, one way of putting, what does it mean to be a Christian? It is deciding every day, Jesus knows better than me. 
getting out of bed and thinking, I don't know what today will bring. I don't know how I feel about today, but I do know Jesus knows better than me. And I wonder if just as we kind of bring this series into land, if you've been with us over these past few weeks, maybe, maybe if you've been skirting around the edge of Christianity, if you've been, you know, you've kind of been trying to figure out what you make of God or what you make of Jesus or, you know, maybe you've chatted to others here. I wonder if some of this series is God saying to you, it is time for you to decide who you think is best, you or Jesus. At some point, Someone has to call it and say, what are you going to do? Do you think it's time that you just carry on living your life in your way? Or do you think, actually, no, I think Jesus might know better than me? Because being a Christian is getting up every day and saying, I think, Jesus, you know better than me. Jesus, when he was on earth and he called people, he said, come follow me. He didn't say, you lead the way. He said, come follow me. And I wonder if that might be what we're reflecting on. Just as we look back on this series, you see that difference between how we might see things, how God sees things. And actually, God sees things in ways that we can't. And it's just coming to him. A submissive heart is coming to him saying, yes, Lord, you do see things in ways that I can't. So where are we going?